Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On our trip throughout the NFL, it's time that we take a little trip down to Duval County in the state of Florida to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Being a fan of the Tennessee Titans, I've seen the Jaguars play live at Nissan Stadium more than any other NFL team. Over the years, I've seen the Jaguars excel in the running game and typically have a strong defense, especially in the front four and cornerbacks. Players like Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, and Maurice Jones-Drew, among many other greats, have haunted my memories and have regularly given me tough games and fits when I play Madden. The Jaguars have an interesting origin story that actually started back in 1989. The NFL doesn't expand very often, so when it does, you have to be ready. Back in 1989, the city of Jacksonville started to get ready. Touchdown Jacksonville was the movement to get the citizens of Jacksonville and Duval County behind whatever it took to get the team. There were three main problems to this, though. Number one, Jacksonville wasn't a big television market. At the time, it was the 54th biggest in the country. Only Green Bay Trail Jacksonville in the NFL cities. Number two, 10 other cities were up for the expansion draft, or expansion team, I should say. Number three, the only football stadium available at the time was the Gator Bowl. Not the best stadium, but it was the start. Jacksonville eventually made it to the top five cities, with Memphis, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Charlotte being the others. Finally, in 1993, Jacksonville was awarded the 30th expansion team. Wayne Weaver, the owner at the time, was so confident that they would receive the bid that he had named the team the Jaguars before the city was even picked. The city of Jacksonville and Duval County as a whole supported this team from even before it was announced. Jacksonville had previously dropped its name from competition for an NFL team due to the condition of the Gator Bowl. The city of Jacksonville at that point agreed to $53 million in public funds to go along with $68 million in private funds to fix up the Gator Bowl. That action propelled Jacksonville back into the race for a team. Jacksonville's first college draft pick was Tony Pacelli, who, in my opinion, should be in the Hall of Fame. Their first expansion draft pick was Steve Berline. Currently, the Jacksonville Jaguars are owned by Shad Khan, who has the best mustache ever. Their overall win-loss record in the regular season is 176 wins and 224 losses. In the postseason, they are 7-7. and They don't have any Hall of Famers at this point, but in my opinion, that should change pretty soon. This team made major strides early in its existence. Their first year's record was 4-12, which may not sound like much, but it was a record for the most wins by an expansion team in their first year. By 1996, the Jaguars won their first playoff game by beating the Buffalo Bills in Jim Kelly's last game. They made the AFC Championship game in 1996, 1999, and 2018.
One of the things that I like about this podcast is not only the history of the NFL teams that we're talking about, but most importantly, the fans that make the NFL so special. It's all about the fans. We drive the NFL. And when you're doing that, sometimes you see that football becomes more than just a sport. It becomes part of you. It becomes family. And that's what I want to talk about throughout this entire podcast. And today, I had the op- the opportunity to talk to an NFL executive from the Jacksonville Jam- Jaguars. If you would like to be on this podcast, if you would like to have your story told about what makes your team family to you, you can message me at Jeremy underscore McFarland. That is at J-E-R-E-M-Y underscore McFarland, M-C-F-A-R-L-I-N on Twitter And we can see if you get on this podcast. Today, we're going to talk, like I said, to one of the Jacksonville Jaguars executives, Dan Edwards, about what makes his team special. Uh, Give me your name and your position for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dan Edwards, Senior Vice President of Communications. And what does that entitle or entail? Uh, That includes communications, includes public relations department, um, our Broadcasting and digital content creation department, and uh, and our game production department, meaning video boards. Now, I, I looked at your website; it is fantastic. Are you over that as well? Yes, the content uh, really flows from my area and in- involves a lot of people, a lot of teams, but uh, including the, the social and digital group. Well, you you're doing a great job with that. I I appreciate seeing that. By the way, thank you. Um, do you, did you have anything to do or did you have a say for the uniforms and the helmets? Cause they look fantastic as well. Uh, not a lot of input, but I agree. They're a big improvement over what we had previously. Well, let's just say that when they came out, uh, back in, what is it? 95, uh, they need a little mm-hmm. improvement and they did a great job. And in fact, with Mr. Minshew wearing them, they look just fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a nice change. Our, our uniform has evolved a little bit over the years, and we've kind of gone back to a little bit of a retro look, more of what our original uniform looked like, kind of a classic look and more teal. Absolutely, absolutely. Now let me let me run some uh, run a question or two by you, if you would please. Um, I saw on your uh, bio uh, that you have served. You are one of six people that have been with the Jaguars since the beginning of the team. That's right. Team uh, was founded in uh, late 1993. Uh, a bunch of us joined in uh, early 1994, and uh, and as you said, six of us are still here. Now, what have you been doing? Uh, what what did you start out doing there? Uh, basically, the PR director, executive director of communications, was my title at the beginning, and and uh, I oversaw PR and uh, and publications and community relations, and over time. The job has evolved a little bit. A few departments have been moved around and reorganized and, and kind of shuffled. Uh, but uh, really, PR was, you know, how I came up in this business. And that was uh, kind of always my first job. And and uh, and that's really the kind of the backbone of what I still do today. And you're you love being with the fans. You love being with the with the uh, people. Do you go to every game you can? Absolutely. I've been to pretty much all of them. Well, good. Do you get to go to the London games, any? Yes. Every every year, yes. Every year. So you have seen, I, I think I counted, I might be off, seven games. That sounds right. Uh, what are the, uh, what have you noticed about those games that, in the environment over in London? 
Well, it, it's a totally different stadium environment because it's, first of all, it's a full house, 80,000 fans, and you see every NFL jersey there is. Um, every team, people have their favorite teams and they wear that, that jersey. So you'll, you could sit at a game and count all 32 jerseys in the stands. Um, but our fan base has really grown there. And, and I think one thing we've seen is as more and more games have been played, the fans become more knowledgeable of the game. Um, more, uh, I think aware of the nuances of American football and how different it is from rugby or, or their, uh, their version of football. Um, so it's, it's been fun to kind of watch that develop. Is that something that y'all want to continue doing? Yes. We'd like to continue playing the game. We were actually going to play two games there this year. And then of course the pandemic, uh, canceled all the, all the international games, but, uh, we would like to continue playing. And are you going to, you're going to transfer both of the games back to Jacksonville? That's right. Yes. Okay. To Duval County. Um, let me, let me just run through a couple of questions for you. Number one. Uh, this podcast is over how football is family. And, and to me, growing up in Tennessee, we didn't have a team until 99, 98, 97 in that area. Uh, so I went to Denver for, for one of my first memories about Jacksonville is them beating my Broncos in 96. And it still yeah. kind of hurts deep inside. Um, what are some of your first memories about the NFL? See, I noticed in your in the corner there, you went to Oregon. Is that correct? That's right. So you have a football team up there that you enjoy. But uh, sure. what about um, the NFL? What are some of your first memories? Well, I, my, my very earliest, I remember growing up in Wisconsin. Uh, I was eight years old and the Green Bay Packers were the closest team and they won the first two Super Bowls. So they became my favorite team. Um, that was my earliest memories of, of the NFL. Uh, later on, you know, graduating from college, um, it occurred to me that sports was a pretty good business to try to break into. And, and I was able to get a couple internships and, and get a start in the NFL. And, um, and you know, every year and every team uh, and their experience has been very different. The game has changed a lot, not necessarily on the field a lot, but everything around it has changed a lot. The media has changed. Uh, um, the way fans follow the games has changed. So there, there's so many, so many memories and, and, uh, it's kind of, it's fun to reflect back on how much things have changed and, and really how great the game is today. It is fantastic. So you got to see the Lombardi Packers and the frozen yes. tundra. Yes, absolutely. Did you ever I get remember? I remember the first time I was working for the Steelers at the time, but we played at Lambeau Field and it was the first time. I actually was in Lambeau Field, and uh, we got there. The team got off the bus and went in the locker room, and I went down the tunnel to the field, to the end zone, and walked straight down the middle of the field to the other end, and uh, it was empty. And uh, and I just getting chills because of the memories I had growing up as a little boy watching games on that field. Oh, that is fantastic. That must have been one of those things that you're never going to forget. Absolutely. All uh- right. I saw on your bio as well that you were part of the Dolphins in Super Bowl 19. Is that correct? That's right. Spent one season as an intern with the Dolphins, and it was a good season because we went to the Super Bowl uh, and and lost to the 49ers at Stanford Stadium. Uh, But that was the year that Marino went off. He was over 4,000 yards, just uh, was it 47, 48 48 touchdown touchdown passes? Yeah, Marino and Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was a a good team. And 
And it's amazing. People thought Marino would be back many times in the Super Bowl, and he never got back again after that one. Do you got any memories about that team? Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun team. I, I remember, you know, I as as a PR intern, I dealt with uh, the players on a daily basis, of course, with the media, and uh, I just I remember Dan Marino um, really kind of having to give him a pep talk every week because he would get tired of doing interviews and not want to do stuff. And you kind of have to tell him why well, you need to do this. And, and he'd, he'd always rise to the occasion and do a great job. Um, but it was, it was fun for the season to, to kind of crescendo at the end and get to the playoffs and, and, and go to the Super Bowl. That was, um, that was a fun run. That was, and I'll tell you what, looking back, it was that uh, he probably had the best head of hair in the <laughs> NFL at that time. Probably right. <laughs> Uh, you have served, like I said, like you said, uh, 27 years for the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars. You have seen some great players in the process. Now, I've written down here a few players that I can remember. Uh, Mark Brunel, the lefty from Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Smith and Tony Baselli, who to me is one of the best offensive linemen ever. Uh, Keenan McCardell and uh, Clay's Campbell. Of course, I think he is no longer with your team right now, but one of my favorite players Maurice Jones drew sure now uh do you have any players that that we don't always think about that's special to you for for one reason or another well if we're talking Jaguars Fred Taylor would be my guy okay Fred Fred came in uh, as a rookie and uh from University of Florida and uh, he kind of became my my star student you know from a PR standpoint he uh, he listened to everything I told him he should do. He asked for help. He uh, responded to the point that he is now one of the best spokesmen for our franchise, even today. So, um, Fred, so Fred, was, Fred was a star on the field, and, and, uh, and he really became a star with the media and, and his, in his own business. So he, he's, kind of, uh, he's kind of one that I have a, a special place for in my heart. So, so he works alongside your team now still? Well, uh, he does uh, has done preseason TV for us, and he does okay. an in-stadium show for us for our home games, and he does uh, our radio pregame and postgame radio show. So, yeah, he's still involved with us. Well, good, good. Uh, just down the road about three or four hours from where I'm living right now is Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, the home of the Uni- uh, University of Tennessee Volunteers, and you had a player named John Henderson there. Sure. Uh, did you ever slap him? No. Uh, little little background. John Henderson wanted to be slapped in the face every every game, didn't he? That, yeah, that was uh, one of our athletic trainers. That was part of John's uh, getting ready to go on the field routine. He he wanted uh, Joe to slap him hard on the face and uh, and kind of get the blood going. And that, of course, made NFL films and and yeah. TV happy when they saw all that. Um, J- John was he, he was. A great football player and and a gentle giant. He still lives here in Jacksonville. Another guy that's still in, involved and in, in, in around the team and 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 it's good to see we've a lot of our alumni that still are around. That's good. Uh, they ha- have the fans embraced the team a lot more in the last few years. Uh, it looks like that there were some problems there for a little bit, but have the fans embraced the team more? They really have, and good. and you know I give our fans credit. We've we've in the last decade only had one winning season, and it's it's hard to have patience and tolerance and keep coming back when the team struggles like we have for for so long. But you know we went to the playoffs in 2017 and went all the way to the AFC Championship game. Yes, and that kind of brought a lot of people back and and got them back again. And uh, and so we need to do that. There's no question in this business. 
there's no replacement for winning. You have to win, and uh, and nobody's going to have you know winning seasons every year except the Patriots. But <laughs> you, you, you've got to give your fans hope that you can win, and uh, that that's where we are. We're trying to we've kind of rebuilt our roster, and we're trying to get back to winning. Now I have noticed as well that you have uh, two sons uh, who work in for, who work for NFL teams. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, do you have any tension on Sundays? Hmm. No, we're all busy with our own games. Um, it, it's kind of fun to to talk, you know, Sunday nights after the games. We all do a little scoreboard watching. We we do root for each other's teams to win because we want we want everybody you know in the family to have success. But uh, you know, and then when we play each other, it, it's of course we want our team to win. But other than that, we root for each other's teams. Uh, two more questions for you, and I'll let you go. And appreciate your time today. Uh, Thanksgiving to me has always been a special moment for for me and for my family. And now that we have three NFL games in a Sunday or on a Thursday, is an amazing thing to me. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how is Thanksgiving to you in that in that sense? Do you get to t- spend time with your family, any, or is it pretty hard to now? It, it's always been a uh, a work day, and that's uh, I'm fortunate in that um, you know my wife and my kids grew up uh, with me working in this business. And Thanksgiving, even when you weren't playing a game, it was a practice day, so we'd come in. You know, we'd usually practice early, and and coaches would want to get everybody in early and get a good practice and get them home so they could have family time in the afternoon. So that's kind of the routine. That's that's kind of normal for our family. Um, but I agree. It's a great holiday. It's a great day. And, and uh, there's nothing better than having three consecutive football games to watch after you've filled up on turkey and everything else. You know, sometimes I, I watch a game and then I close my eyes and the teams change jerseys for some reason. You know, I think I slept <laughs> through the game, but uh, that's part of it. One Trip last question. One last question. And again, I appreciate your time. What makes football feel like family to you? Well, the fact that both of my sons work in the in the business, working with uh, in the league. My son-in-law also uh, okay. is with another team. Um, so it, it's really what our family has grown up with, and and uh, it's you know we refer to ourselves as a as a football family. We've uh, we've grown up with this, and and uh, kind of don't know anything else. And and I'm I'm excited to see my sons you know, establish their own careers in the league and, and, uh, and get to have the same enjoyment that I've had for so long. Now, if anybody in the Jacksonville area could, uh, want to get a, in touch with y'all for tickets or for any type of information, where can they go? You know, Jaguars.com. And we do, we're one of right now, there's only five teams in the league that are going to have uh, fans in the stands for their games. Uh, so we're selling tickets and uh, people can go to jaguars.com to, to buy tickets. Anything special for the pandemic that they need to keep in mind? Well, it's a uh, capacity is reduced to 25%. So that's, you know, we can sell, it'll be about 16 or 17,000 at the most. Uh, but we'll require uh, masks uh, on everyone and, uh, and we'll have all the protocols entering the stadium um, and all the safety uh, measures taken that, that the CDC requires and suggests so and that the league is required. And the league has been very um, aggressive with, with safety protocols and wanting to keep uh, not only the teams um, safe, but the, the fans as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mr. Dan. And there you have it, folks, another football fan and the reason why football feels like family. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.